Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I just uh, though want you to go ahead and get your notes out. I'm ready to jump into God's Word today. Go ahead and get your notes and your Bibles out. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to two locations today. Go ahead and get both of those pulled up. One is 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. And the other is the book of Proverbs chapter number 4, verse 1. I'll leave that up there for a minute or so so you can find both of those. Um, while I... While you're, while you're getting there, I just want to remind you, next Sunday is going to be great. Sunday morning in this service and the 1030 service, I'm going to be sharing a message called, Is Heaven Real? I'm going to talk about the reality of heaven, what that means for us, and to help to, to d- dissolve some myths or some misunderstandings about what heaven is and what the scriptures actually say about that. So that's next Sunday. And then, of course, the Welcome to Church service will be at noon. Some people, will, many people will go to actually to, to both uh, services. But, uh, you know, sometimes at church, I like to challenge you. In fact, I, I usually like to challenge you. But today I'm going to have a little bit of fun. I'm not going to just give you a challenge. I'm going to give you a dare. I'm going to give you a dare. I'm going to say, I dare you. I, I, I dare you. Now, uh, you know, when I was a kid, from time to time, we would do these dare games. You, you, you know what they are. And, and, uh, and supposedly the way it worked is a challenge would be issued. And, and that challenge was you were supposed to like display courage to fulfill the challenge. And whoever's the most courageous takes the, the dares and, and does all that. Thank God for my wise mom, because my mom, uh, she, she was like up on this. You know, she'd had three sons before me. So with me coming along, she, you know, she just let me know. She, it was really clear. She says, when you take a dare, you become a puppet of the other person. And even if they call you a chicken, don't take the dares. You're better than that. I still took a few, but thank God I'd learned how to kind of work my way out of those before the daring began. So I don't really have any amazing stories of, of crazy dares that I took as a kid, but, uh, but I'm going to issue a dare today. I'm going to actually challenge you to take it. And it's not a crazy dare. It's a wise dare. I'm going to, in fact, my, my message is entitled, I dare you. I dare you. And why am I going to issue this dare? It's because this dare is success oriented. I want you to be successful. Why do I want you to be successful? It's because, because so that you can make Jesus known. And that's actually in the scriptures. You know, really, as your pastor, I crave and I really desire that you'll become all that God has designed you to be. And that's, what I, that's how I define success. So you can fulfill your purpose, because we all have that. So you can actually partner with God. Uh, I I want you to be the best that you can be. That doesn't mean that failures won't come because they will. Uh, But but my prayer is there will be an obvious blessing on your life. And and the the blessing of God looks different for every single person. It doesn't all look look the same. Um, But it's just my desire for you to to walk in that. And today I'm going to dare you to do something that will help take you there. Now, back in the Old Testament, um, during the time of Moses, Moses was taking the children of Israel, uh, which were former slaves, taking them out of Egypt into their promised land. And, and during this time, God wanted to instill into their brains, into their minds, that they were really, really special. So, 
uh, see, see God, God had this plan. He said, when I, I want it like when other nations, other people groups look at you, they're going to say, hey, there's something different. There's something special about them. They're blessed. And then they're going to want that blessing. So, uh, you know, it's so, so God set this up and he, he set it up so that, so that these people, when they became founders in their new land of Israel, they would be established as blessed people. But here's a challenge. How do you take a couple million slaves who basically only knew how to take orders and they had some construction and building skills and turn them into statesmen and professionals and warriors and business leaders and ministers and craftsmen and police officers? I mean, you you see the point? So it was actually going to take a re-education process. and, And part of that process, and this is important, Part of that process was a daily speaking of a blessing over their lives at the very end of the day. See, each day the priests would speak these words to the former slaves as God instilled a fresh identity upon them and here it is. It's right here. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. You guys recognize that, don't you? Well, See, I speak that over you at the close of every service. Uh, I mean, you had no idea, again, that we were such a traditional church because this tradition has been around for 3,500 years or so. And we basically say this, here's the deal. We're basically saying this at the end of our services as well for the same reason that Moses was saying it and the, the people of God were saying it uh, over, over the children of Israel. Why? It's because we were all in slavery to sin. We were in slavery to the devil. We were in slavery to our addictions. We were in slavery to the systems of the world, but we've been set free to live a new life, <laughs> life to the full. And, and it's because of Jesus. And see, Jesus, he wants your success. And he's taking you from your slavery into this promised land, heaven, let's call it, which I'll be talking about next week. But in the meantime, he's changing us. He's partnering with us. And, 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 and it takes his blessing to be able to do that. So I speak that ancient blessing over you now. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Why do I say it? So that you can make Jesus known on your cultural street because the, the, the passion of God has always been that people will look at you and they'll sense something is different about their life. I want what they have. They want to know your secret sauce, but it's simply the Holy Spirit, the blessing of God. You are blessed to be a blessing in some unique way and in some unique place, and it looks different for all of us. That's why around here, I'm always telling you to keep leaning into the Holy Spirit. That's why we as a church, I say we're a Jesus-focused church. In fact, our theme scripture for the year says this, those who hope in the Lord, this is good, those who hope in the Lord, that, that's an active word right there. That's not just a state of mind. It's actively pursuing God. A, a good word there would be pursuing God. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on eagles, uh, on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I speak that over my life because I want that. So I keep hoping in the Lord. I keep taking these steps forward and pursuing God. 
And for some of you, it's time for your strength to be renewed. It really is. It's time for you to soar on wings like eagles. It's time for you to begin to run and not be all wore out. It's time for you to begin to walk and not keep passing out. You see, that, my friend, is the blessing of God on your life. There is purpose for your life, and God is partnering with you. That's why we say around here, it's time to live, to really, really live. So today I'm going to dare you to take an impassioned pursuit in your life, one single dare, to make a life choice that can alter your destiny. Now, after Israel had become a nation, uh, they had settled into the promised land, they, they, they eventually had some kings that were ruling over them. The very first king uh, was King Saul. Then right after him was King David. Then following him was King Solomon, who succeeded his father, King David, and he took the throne after his passing. So we're going to read together in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 in a second, and, and just to give you a little setup here, in this place, Solomon was 20 years old, and this is right when he became king, all right? I mean, can you imagine a 20-year-old and the pressure that he felt to, to make this happen? You see, just a little bit of a glance back in his life, um, he had already seen his undisciplined, uh, rebellious, arrogant older brother, Absalom, attempt to take his dad, David's throne, which ended in Absalom's untimely death. It's quite an incredible story. You should read about it. He also observed how his other older brother, Adonijah, actually attempted to do the same thing. And he died. <laughs> and there's still another older brother of his. His name was Amnon, who destroyed his life after raping his own sister, and who was then murdered by his brother Absalom. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> and you're listening to this and go, yeah, that is kind of crazy. And, and again, you thought your family was jacked up. Okay, this, this one is a crazy family. But look, good came out of it, all right? Solomon. But see, it's also apparent, very apparent in the scriptures, actually it's clear in the scriptures, that David did not invest time with his sons Absalom, Amnon, and Adonijah. He basically just let them do what they wanted to do. Now, just FYI, those of you who are dads or aspiring dads, that's stupid, okay? Let's just say it, that is stupid. Don't ever say, well, just let them figure it out on their own. I figured it out on my own because David already showed us that doesn't work. Finally, with his fourth son, <laughs> he invests in him. And here's Solomon now, already invested in, and he's uh, age 20. Right after he was crowned, he did something really unique. He went up to Gibeon, which was the place of worship, to worship God. And so we pick up on the story there. To take a look at it now, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 in your Bibles. And Gibe at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son who sits on the throne this very day. Speaking of himself. So he says, now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. 
but I'm only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too, numbers too, too numerous to count or to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? That was his prayer. So the, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will so that there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be moreover i will give you what you've not asked for wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings and if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as your father david did i will give you a long life now this is a very classic story of solomon uh and he was being able to request whatever he wanted from god and now it's, it's interesting though his immediate response was to request wisdom he didn't have to think about it for a few days and it's as if this really impressed God, so to speak. So God not only blessed him with wisdom, but a whole lot of other things. I've always been intrigued with that story, and I, I, I strongly believe that one of the best things we can do is to ask wisdom from God ourselves above anything else, guys, and to pursue wisdom our entire life. Let me explain to you how the kingdom works salvation gives us eternal life you know but wisdom gives us success in that life asking christ to forgive your sins and prepare you for eternity is fundamental and it's foremost and it's first it's critical but pursuing wisdom is what every believer should be and and, and I'm telling you, it shouldn't be an either or. It's not pick one. It's, it's, it is both and. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. I'm telling you guys, it's time to live. And I, really, I want you to really, really live. It's time to do it. Last month, um, there, there was this survey put out by a research firm called uh, OnePoll. And they, re- they released a study on boredom in the United States. After they'd done their interviews, finished all of their stories, uh, ben, uh, ben Renner had written this, uh, this article saying that America is mired in boredom 131 days a year. Now, think about that. That's more than a third of a year Americans are mired in boredom. I'm just telling you guys, that's not living I, I was actually pretty shocked at this because I, I, I seldom find myself in a position where I like, I'm bored. Why, why do you want to allow yourself to be bored is, is my question. I mean, why not pursue wisdom, grow your brain, improve your health, become a better person and, and grow into your cultural street, your place of influence. God did not create you for boredom. 
it actually goes against the natural order of your life. God created you for purpose. God filled people with life, and we are to exude life. So I'm going to give you the dare, and here it is. I dare you, and it's very simple, is to get wisdom. Get wisdom, and you'll be really, really glad you did. I dare you to do it. Are you willing to take the dare? And break out of your boring life. (laughs) Don't don't, don't be telling me you're addicted to Netflix. I mean, are you serious? (laughs) There's no life there. Uh, I mean, this kind of living, following this dare, beats movies. It beats video games. And you know, that's, that's nice. That stuff is nice. But I'm telling you guys, it's all fake. That's all phony. <laughs> no wonder people are bored. Let's bust out of boredom. And I, 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 I challenge you to go crazy in your pursuit of wisdom. Go crazy in it. See, Solomon, he didn't just become an object of wisdom. Ooh, look at him. He's wise. Now, I mean, yes, that happened, but that wasn't all that happened there. See, Solomon became a conduit of wisdom, and that's actually where the life is. See, there's no life in just being and, 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 uh, and having something and not, not actually beginning to give it out. He's a conduit of wisdom. See, wisdom flowed through him to his own sons, and ultimately his wisdom flows to everybody who reads his writings, his timeless Proverbs. Now, earlier I told you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, because I want you to see something there. Uh, I want you to go here and look as he is imparting wisdom to his own sons. And in this passage, you're going to see um, a, 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 and this is a lot, you'll find this a lot, especially in the first part of Proverbs, and many of you have already read that in our reading plan this this month. But he creates this personification of wisdom. It's uh, Wisdom is like a lady, it's a woman. Um, It's like a life companion, he's explaining to his sons. In other words, what he's doing is he's telling his sons, all through the first part of Proverbs, is their pursuit of this lady wisdom, so to speak, must trump their pursuit of flesh and blood women. And man, that's, that's what we should pass on as well. Okay, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. And let's see what he's saying. Solomon is saying this. He says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. He's getting it set up really good right here, okay? Now look, he goes on to say, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Picture that image. It's a little boy, right? And then he, my dad, taught me. And he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you'll live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and, a, and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life 
will be many. Now, hold on just a second. We've always said those are the words of Solomon, and, and they are. They were written by Solomon. But actually, Solomon is quoting his dad, David, as he's passing this along to his sons, David's grandsons. He's passing along a, a, a piece of poetry, which is how they would have things memorized in those days. They would memorize it in poetic verse. And so it was easy. They would, they would in a sense, kind of chant it. That would be how they would remember it, uh, even put it to music. And, and so he was quoting his father, David, and he was passing along this poetic saying that obviously his father, David, had Solomon memorize. And Solomon's desire therefore for wisdom that we see him requesting of God at the age of 20 is not some random epiphany. Gee, I think I'll ask for wisdom. No, it's because Solomon's thirst for wisdom was planted in his heart at a very young age by his dad. Some of you might say, well, my dad never did that for me. Well, that doesn't matter. (laughs) You have to do it to someone else. You have to. That's what's going on right back here with our children's ministry right now. Fathers, fathers-to-be, that's part of your job. Spiritual fathers, it's your job as well. Biological fathers, listen and absorb the value of passing on wisdom. Solomon said it well, quoting his own dad. He says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. And that's actually his dare to his boys, He's saying, I dare you, get wisdom at any cost. And I I double dare you then to pass that wisdom on to anyone, someone who is younger than you. Don't just be an object of wisdom, be a conduit of it. See, wisdom is the secret weapon for success in your life. There is no decision that will benefit more than from you to have the decision to gain more wisdom. In fact, the book of Proverbs, it is probably the easiest to understand and the most potent uh, reservoir of wisdom that exists anywhere. Uh, in Proverbs, there's 924 verses and uh, basically tweets. <laughs> there are little sayings in these verses, and 282 of them actually speak to the singular topic of gaining wisdom and walking in wisdom. I want to share with you some of my favorites. Can I share with these? Here we go. Here we go. I'm not, now you, whether you say yes or no, I'm still going to share with you my favorites. Here they are. First one right, right here, uh, Proverbs 18.2. Solomon says, fools find no pleasure in understanding but they just want to air their own opinions. <laughs> In other words, here, here's what this, this means. Shut your mouth and quit letting people know how foolish you are by talking all the time. <laughs> now, that doesn't refer to me right now at this moment, but because I, I do not talk all week. But, but it's funny because a few years back, we had an intern around here, and, and I had requested that he come with me to a, to a city meeting and, uh, that, I, that I was chairing, and a committee, and I asked him to, to take some minutes and just to, you know, write some notes down, and, and uh, we needed someone to do that. I, I told him, though, I said, just remember, though, you're not a member of the com- committee, so you don't need to talk, you know, uh, unless someone asks you a question. You're an observer, and you're supposed to take notes, and, uh, and, and just to write down the things we've decided and what we're, what we're doing. So he comes to the meeting, and this meeting, you know, was scheduled to be about an hour and a half, but he started talking and talking and talking, and I would look at him, and he wouldn't get it. He was too far away to kick. I would have kicked him, you know, under the table. You know, I, I would have, but, but the meeting then extended to a little over two hours, 
Finally, after the meeting was over, I tried to be nice. I said, well, pass along to your notes. Well, he had written down about 30 or 40 words over the, the, the two hours. Uh, later on that day, I got text messages from the other committee members asking me to consider please not bringing that guy back to the meetings who talks too much. When I explained it to him that he, you, know, you did what I told you to not do and you didn't do what I asked you to do, well, then he took offense and then he shared, again, his opinion. He gave me a long exposition of why his opinions in those meetings were so important because he says, I'm more educated than these people. I have a degree in this particular area and, and I know about these things. And I had to explain to him, education does not equal wisdom. My prescription, I said, I got a prescription for you. I want you to take this book in the Bible. It's called Proverbs. And I want you to start reading it every single day. And of course, I never brought him back to the meetings, but uh, that's, that's a good thing to know. Here's another one, here's another one. Solomon said this, he says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. I've had to memorize this because sometimes I get impatient. Did any of you guys ever get impatient? I, 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 I need this one right here. See, my interpretation of it is this, is that wisdom will give you patience so you're not going around all the time getting your feelings hurt. See, offended people end up getting bogged down and they don't have the, in, and, and, and I, I just decided, I, I have a little saying that I use for myself is I don't have the energy and I don't have the time to get offended, so I just don't want to do it. And I, once, I, once I realized that, I thought, well, this actually works. That, that's actually one of my mottos. Still another saying of Solomon is this, is listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. And I, my interpretation of this is someday uh, people are gonna look up to you and they will listen more to you if you are actually listening more and talking less and accepting the tough discipline that comes along in life. There's a difference between hearing and listening. See, hearing is passive. There's noise coming into your ears. Everyone can hear what I'm saying in this room. Room. But listening is active. That's where you're taking it in. You're dicing it up in your brain. You're writing things down. You're choosing to find ways to utilize what you're hearing. And, and that's the difference between listening and hearing. And, and this stuff, when we get it, this is life changing if you integrate it. So I dare you. I, I, I dare you to get wisdom because you're going to be really glad that you did. You going to take the dare? Are you going to get into this relentless pursuit of wisdom and pass it along as well? Because the one who loves wisdom, who gets wisdom, loves life. <laughs> the one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. You see, life is actually at the very center of the gospel. It's the full life that Jesus promised. And some of the greatest wisdom I can share with you now, for some of you though, is to stop fighting and scraping and striving. As I was praying for today, it's like I felt the Holy Spirit saying, that's, that's a key word of wisdom right there. Some of you, you're fighting God. You've been hearing this, but it's like, I don't know if I can make this pursuit because you're, you're angry at God. You're upset because you're in a tough spot. But wisdom is to give in to God and to give him full control. Allow God to heal you. Allow God to deliver you. This is the atmosphere where that happens. It's to hope in the Lord today. When you hope in the Lord, your strength is going to be renewed. You're going to soar on wings like eagles. You're going to run and not 
get weary. You're going to walk and not be faint. That's what I mean when I say it's time to live. Come on. It's time to really, really, really live. I challenge you on that today. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.